Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Tonight's reading is John 17, uh, 20 to 26. And that's on page 1095 in the Bibles, in the Pews. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to you complete, uh, may they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Dion. Do keep that passage open. Uh, Let me lead us with a prayer. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Uh, Lord God, please help us to know what it means for Jesus to pray for unity. Amen. So we're thinking about Jesus' prayer uh, for unity, looking at this prayer that Jesus prayed uh, to his heavenly Father. And uh, as we begin, it would be great for us to discuss with one another What struck us as we read this reading? What struck us as we read this reading? Do take this moment to uh, move around, uh, get some refreshments, and we'll come back together in a few moments. Brilliant. Let's uh, come together. And uh, I want to begin by taking us back to the 1960s. And the 1960s were an exciting time across many churches because lots of people were asking the question, well, could we all come together? We break up as Christians into these little streams that are our our little churches and denominations. What if we came and we merged and we were back in one big river? It was 1964. There was a big movement called the ecumenical movement trying to bring Christians together. 
And they were looking for unity, for oneness. That was the thing they were seeking. There was a meeting that year in Nottingham at the British Council of Churches. And someone put forward a resolution. What if we could come together in this country by Easter 1980? And they voted to it. Let's work towards it. On the worldwide stage, the Roman Catholic Church was was changing with something called Vatican II. What if Protestants and Catholics could come together? What if we could all do that by Easter Sunday in 1980? And there was a big organization called the World Council of Churches, and there was a lot of movement happening. The only problem, of course, is that it didn't come to pass. 1980 came uh, and went, and as we stand here today, uh, for much energy and effort and desire for unity, we don't always feel very united, and we feel those problems uh, in our denomination. Will our denomination, the Church of England, split in two? And so as we find ourselves in that situation, given how far we've come or not come since the 1960s, it forces us to ask that hard question. Have we understood unity rightly? To quote a 1980s film, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Have we understood unity rightly? And it would help us pray as we pray for unity and see Jesus praying for unity. Do we understand that word as Jesus understood it. So we're going back to Jesus' words this evening, to John chapter 17. An amazing prayer when Jesus prays to his heavenly Father, and we see the inside uh, view of what is going on, of Jesus' plan and his mission, and he explains it to his heavenly Father. And we get to listen in on what is going on. It starts with Jesus' desire, if you can see it back in, in verse 2 of chapter 17. We didn't read it. Um, excuse me, verse 1 of chapter 17. As Jesus prays, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Jesus' mission to glorify his heavenly Father and how he's come to the world to reveal his, his father to, to the world, to people who have come and trust, and how Jesus has brought and gathered a people to himself. And now he prays uh, for the next step in his mission, uh, for the time after Jesus has gone, when he has returned to his father, and when his people uh, have a part to play in that mission, as Jesus continues his mission of revealing the father's glory. So we see what unity means in these verses that uh, Dion read for us in verse 20 uh, to 26. We're going to see a number of things about unity. The first thing is that unity is important. Unity is important. Have a look at verse 21. What is Jesus' desire? What is Jesus' priority For all Christians, verse 21, that all of them may be one. That all of them may be one. Clearly, this is something, a priority for Jesus' 
uh, for Jesus, it should be a priority for us as well. It might be tempting to give up, step back, pull up the drawbridge, and uh, hide in the castle, and not engage with other Christians. Not so for Jesus. Jesus says unity is important. But are we defining it right? Is what we mean by unity what Jesus means by unity? Here's the big thing that Jesus shows us. Unity is important. Unity is joining the love of the triune God. Okay, Jesus is, uh, sorry, unity is joining the love of the triune God. Okay, this this is a really big thing. It's really important for us to see this. It's mind-blowing. Have a look at verse 24. He prays in verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me, here's the big bit, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Do you see that mind-blowing thing there? That Jesus and his father, they have loved each other before the creation of the world. Loved each other in eternity. It has always existed. Go back in time, in your time machine, 10 years, a million years, a billion years, a trillion years. God and his son, they have been uh, loving each other since the dawn of time. This is the love of the triune God. So Jesus is talking about the love of the triune God. An amazing love, a perfect love, a love unlike anything else you and I could ever experience. And Jesus is saying that when we believe in his message, we join that love that he has had between the Father and Son. We join Jesus and we share in that love. Have a look at verse 21. Jesus is praying that all of them, verse 21, all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. That this unity that has existed before the dawn of time, when we come and trust in the message of Jesus, as the apostles preached it, that we come and share in his love. That is what unity is all about. Unity is not something, first and foremost, that we strive for. It's actually much deeper than that. It's something that we are given. It's something that we are given. Let's have it up on the screen, the slide. Jesus has loved his Father since eternity, and believers share that unity. That's the big thing that we see from Jesus' words. This is what unity is all about. What an amazing thing. It takes the pressure off us so much, doesn't it? There is no greater comfort than we could ever have than to know that Jesus is for us, that God loves us with that same perfect love that he has loved his son since the dawn of eternity. We share in that love. There is no greater comfort than to share in that love of God. Nothing greater. It is not unity that we make. It is unity that we are given. 
it is not just unity with each other, it's unity with the Father and the Son as well. It's both vertical uh, and it's horizontal. Amazing that God shows us not only how to live, not even rescues us, but invites us to share in that love with an incomparable love. And so as we're talking about unity, it is worth remembering that unity is something that already exists. It is something that believers have with each other, whether their experience quite matches that or not. One day that experience will match at Jesus's, uh, that our experience will match the spiritual unity. When we come together around the throne in the new creation, uh, our unity will be fully realized. Uh, until then, we are waiting. It, there is a deep, inward spiritual unity that we have, and we can express that unity uh, in the way we relate to one another. It's so different from how we often think about unity in our minds. We when we talk about unity, we might start with instances of Christians coming together and doing things together. Maybe we think in terms of organizations and denominations. Actually, it's much more deeper than that. Our unity is about our spiritual unity with one another, with Jesus, with the Father. And what we do is like an expression of that. But we can't, we can't get to the fruit without starting with the root first that relationship with God and his Father. Jesus has loved his Father since eternity. Believers share that unity. So let's keep unpacking what it means uh, for unity according to Jesus. So unity is joining the love of the triune God. Unity is evangelistic as well. Have a look at verse 23. Jesus says in verse 23, I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. And Jesus wants his followers to live loving lives with each other so that people will stop and realize, wow, this is the real thing. And as they see this outward unity, we be pointed to that deeper spiritual unity that comes through the message of Jesus, joining the Father. Unity is a very powerful way to promote the gospel uh, that we're talking about. Perhaps in other words, it's easier to believe in Jesus when his people uh, are loving each other. It is easier to do that when his followers are loving each other. I knew of uh, some Christians in need, and the, the church uh, did, a, did a meal rotor for a couple of weeks. And uh, it brought this, uh, a non-Christian they knew, to tears, uh, knowing about it, that they would do that, and that they would uh, make that uh, act of love. I'm always struck uh, on a Sunday at how people of different backgrounds, of ages and nationalities, uh, come together. We, we did a bit of an experiment last week on Sunday morning, how many nationalities uh, we could get up on the stage. I think it was about 16. And uh, the fact that there's all these different people from walks of life, and, and the fact that we're, we're all choosing to be here, 
as well. I think it's one thing that maybe people from different walks of life were sort of forced into that, and that's just what it is. But the fact that people choose to do that is a great expression of, of God's people, people of different walks of life uh, coming together that naturally wouldn't uh, rub shoulders but come together uh, because of love for, for Jesus and the message of Jesus. Unity is evangelistic. There is something really powerful uh, about that. That's maybe a reason why it's so important to Jesus. Unity is evangelistic. Unity is based on the truth. Unity is based on the truth. In any walk of life, uh, unity requires something that we gather around. Uh, it requires a consensus, doesn't it? Some, something that we can all appeal to, to gather around. I'm quite struck uh, when you look at, across the pond and you follow uh, American politics and you just see the uh, division uh, at that moment. There's a really interesting history of how that came about. There's a guy called, uh, an American historian called uh, George Marsden, and he tra- tries to trace out how, how America got into that situation. And he starts in the 1950s. And 1950s, America uh, had a consensus. It was a united country, uh, more than it was now. And the intellectuals of the day were trying to hold the country together. It was a time when the world was changing uh, after the Second World War, and the, the intellectuals of the day, they were trying to work out, how do we hold this country together uh, in the face of all these different challenges that we had? And they, they looked and said, well, the things that we want to hold people together are, are the ideals of our, our country in America. They talked about uh, the self-determination and making our own way, the right to uh, equality and protection, the right of the rule of law, uh, the supreme trustworthiness of, of, of reason that we can uh, understand and talk to each other, the value of freedom. And they had these values. And they said, these are the things, that, this is what we, come, we need to come together for. These are the things that the founding fathers, when they did the Declaration of Independence, this is what brought them together. That was how they thought we could go forward. The problem was, is that a lot had changed since the days of the founding fathers. Because when America was founded, there were a lot of assumptions that people shared. Lots of people took for granted that there was a creator and that there were these natural laws and moral laws that could be known for us and uh, that once we discovered those laws, they had to be obeyed. And the problem was, is since then... Uh, the same people who wanted the consensus had been uh, chipping away at the roots of those values. Uh, And the result was something unstable. And and if it held together in the 50s, it didn't hold together in the 60s. The story is that that was when the consensus unraveled and we, we have the same sort of culture wars that we find today. A consensus. Where do we find a consensus to bring people together? Where do we find not just roots, this would be a good thing, but what, what fruits, well, this would be a good thing, but where do we find the roots that would hold us together? Perhaps think of a different uh, think, walk of life. Uh, let's say you want, to, uh, you want to make friends, and uh, what do you do if you want to make friends? You don't go to a friendship club, 
where we talk about friendship. You might go to, uh, let's say, a tennis club. Because then you get to go to a tennis club, you find lots of people who you can bond with because you love tennis. And suddenly there's this thing in common, of common ground, and you can talk about how brilliant tennis is and how it's great to serve. And uh, there it is, there are people brought together. What about unity? Unity is based on the truth. Have a look at Jesus' words. End of verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Jesus is praying for all Christians who will believe in Jesus through their message. That's the message of the apostles uh, that they wrote down, the message of the Bible. You see, in Jesus' mind, unity and truth are so close together. We've just had, uh, we looked at this last week, uh, sanctify them by the truth in verse 17. Those things are really close together in Jesus' mind. Unity and truth. And often we think of them as separate things that fight against each other. Uh, that if you're a truth person, that will make you divisive. But actually, for Jesus, the opposite is the case. Uh, truth and unity are utterly inseparable. Uh, unity is based uh, on the truth. Authentic unity is not about trying to get together and just play down the word of God. Actually, authentic unity is as we come together and as we sit under the word of God. Uh, That is how Christians can come together. And through history, we can see as Christians come together under the word of God, we find them agreeing uh, on about 90% of things as we come together. The message of Jesus. And there are always going to be other things that compete uh, for uh, the, to sit under the word of God. Maybe it's our, our own uh, human reason. Well, I think of Jesus as a bit like this. Or our, uh, or our tradition. Well, this is what I've been told in the past about Jesus. Or our experience. Uh, this is what I felt Jesus to be like in my experience. And they'll all be fighting for that first place. True unity is found underneath the word of God. I think it's so striking, just coming here to Emmanuel, that some of the big moments as the church comes together, uh, the message of Jesus Christ is never far away. I'm really struck as uh, uh, by uh, last summer and coming and visiting mayhem and uh, seeing uh, huge numbers of people in Emmanuel come together, uh, what to do to help children, to to know about Jesus, and one of the biggest points in the year. I found it amazing to go back and and see the history of Emmanuel and see how right at the beginning of Emmanuel Church's life, uh, there was a desire to make Jesus Christ known among the nations and to hear of stories of missionaries making him known. And that was what brought people together uh, in those early days of Emmanuel. I have benefited so much from partnering with with other churches. I just think of last year, uh, how a number of us uh, from different churches, we we did an evangelistic event for for teenagers 
in Helsham where we were, how we did a church weekend away and brought other churches in the area along. Uh, there to hear the word of God, to, to make Jesus known across uh, the town where we were, uh, to grow in our knowledge of Jesus under the word of God. So unity. Uh, for us today, uh, we've talked about our desire for unity, our feeling, well, could we, uh, could we experience that? Jesus has shown us what unity is, that unity, that deep spiritual reality. And as we understand that, then we can uh, walk as people who are loved by Jesus, who know what it means to be loved by him, who walk knowing that they have been given unity, walking in eager expectation of that one day when God gathers all, uh, all his people around the throne of the Lamb. So for us today, how would this change how we pray? How would this change how we pray as we seek uh, in this year, our year of prayer? It encourages us to pray for unity. Unity is a really good thing. We should not be discouraged, but pray for unity among Christians. Pray for the Father to be glorified, for his name to be known. It's about, it's about him. It's not about us and whether we can come together and have a really big service. It's about the honor of God. Let's pray for growth in the truth. That's how we grow in unity. That is the basis, the, the root that produces the, the fruit of unity. Let's pray with confidence, knowing uh, that we are loved by God that he has brought us into this amazing love that we can look to. And let's pray that we know that relationship, know that love uh, for ourselves uh, in our own lives. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that we share in the unity between you uh, the Father and the Son before the beginning of time. Lord, please would you help us in our lives to know that love deeply. Pray for us as we grow in the truth and sit under your word. Please, would we grow in that love? Please, Father, would you be glorified? Would your name uh, be magnified? And pl please, Father, would we grow together in unity? Please, would uh, people say of us uh, that they are one. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.